Round one was over. <laughs> Parents won. Kids sipped. I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing. That was all started by a mouse. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Gentlemen, start your engines. There's a touch of madness around here. Hello, everyone, and welcome to DDP Today, a show that's a little about us, a lot about Disney, and fun for the whole family. My name is Justin, and tonight I am joined by one of my buddies, one of my good brothers. I've missed you this week. Haven't been able to chat to you a lot because we uh, have been busy. Mike, how are you doing, man? Very good. It's nice to see you. I, we missed you last week. It's always, it's never the same when the whole crew is not here together, but uh, I'm glad I got to record with you tonight. It's been good. Um, work has been crazy for all of us. I know we've all been kind of uh, shuffling, trying to get things done and trying to get on a steady schedule, but, um, but you know, life goes on. Uh, Sammy's going back to school uh, next week, which is odd because from us being up north, it was always, you know, September when the kids go back to school. So uh, now that she's doing the back to school shopping quite early down here, it's uh, it's quite Quite, quite funny because uh, she's usually never in school this early, but uh, but she's excited. She was excited when school was over last year because she made had a great first year down here in South Carolina, and she's really looking forward to going back, which is something that uh, I was never a fan of going back to school, so more props to her. Yeah, man, Riley starts the next Wednesday, so I'm, I would say they probably start around the same mm-hmm. time. Yep. Um, this will be Riley's last year in, kinder- in kindergarten. Wow. <laughs> last year in elementary school, uh, fifth grade. And it's just, it's insane, man, how fast it flies by whenever they start. And I remember walking her in that first day at kindergarten and being like, oh my gosh, look at these big kids walking around. Now she's the big kid on campus mm-hmm. this year. Um, so that's a, been a really, really fun thing. She, I think she's excited about getting back. We, uh, buddy, we started soccer tonight. Um, as you know, you know, I've been slammed busy with soccer because our uh, we've had meetings and classes and all that kind of stuff. Uh, our season started to make up. I coached a travel team. And uh, we started back tonight, and my body is not prepared to be out there with a bunch of 10- and 11-year-olds running around for an hour and a half in the heat. Riley asked me earlier, she said, Dad, why are you walking like that? And I was like, it's because my ankles feel like they're going to separate from my body at this point. (laughs) So uh, I guess it's going to be a fun kind of getting back into the swing of things for me as well and having soccer now twice a week and games on the weekend starting in September. Um, But I don't know about you, man. I really like having that structure like summer's weird i love summer don't get me wrong i love summer but it's weird because you know katie only works three days a week and riley's home all the time and i work from home and so our schedules get kind of crazy in the summer like it's nothing for us to be up super late or go do something random and it's fun but i also like that structure of like okay we have school from this time to this time and soccer from this time to this time yeah, I you agree. Yeah, I like the part about the structure because uh, whenever someone asks me, "Hey, do you want to do something? Do you want to go somewhere?" I always make the mistake of making plans. You know, being eager to do something with somebody, and then Laura says, "Well, we have this that day." At least I know when we have the structure of uh, cheerleading, school, and you know, with work, it's pretty much set in stone. Uh, during the summer, it's kind of fly by night stuff. So I always make the mistake of not checking the calendar, making plans, and um, putting my foot in my mouth, so to speak, and getting yelled at by my wife. So uh, yeah, the structure is definitely good. Uh, I, I kind of like know what's going on, which is which is always a, a helpful thing because I tend to be behind the eight ball sometimes. Yeah, well, I mean, speaking of behind the eight ball, uh, it is Monday night. Um, it is 10.02 p.m. <laughs> right now, and we are recording this episode because we promised our Patreon that it would come out today uh, and it will drop on Tuesday morning. So as soon as we get done, we will get this edited and we get it out to everybody. And also, at some point during this episode, you are going to hear our good Australian friend jumping on the show. He is leaving work as we speak. I talked to him earlier today, and he was inside Hollywood Studios, and he will be with us here in just a little bit because this topic was super important to him. Um, but yeah, man, I, I'm, I'm ready. I'm excited to chat Disney. I missed you last week. Thanks for covering uh, for me, and uh, but man, I'm excited to be back and, and, and getting at this because it is getting to my favorite time of the year at Walt Disney World, and that is the fall. I love the fall. I know people love Christmas decorations. I love the Halloween decorations, which are already coming up in the Magic Kingdom, um, but the one thing that I really, really, really have missed over the last couple years has been the Walt Disney World Railroad. 
I think if anyone's listened to the show, they know the importance to me of the history of Walt Disney with um, the railroad and, and what he brought to the parks by bringing the railroad aspect of his life into Disneyland whenever he built Disneyland. Um, and so tonight we're going to do uh, something we haven't done in a little while. We're going to do a DDP Today in depth of the Walt Disney World Railroad, but it's impossible to talk the Walt Disney World Railroad without taking a step back in time and going back to Walt himself and his love for trains, which started as a very, very young boy. I mean, Mike, going all the way back, to uh, Marceline, Missouri, when Walt would sit and he would watch the trains come through. Uh, his uncle Mike was famously, he was an engineer on the Santa Fe uh, accommodation train. It ran between Marceline and Fort Madison. And Walt had that kind of you know ability to step on the train and see the train and know someone that could explain how it worked. And if you're going all the way back to you know, that time period, I mean, this is one of the major modes of transportation across country mm -hmm. is is the train system. And so Walt fell in love with trains at a very, very early age. And uh, even as he moved around and as he took jobs, he, you know, took some odd jobs actually on trains over the years. Didn't last very long, but he did take a few odd jobs. Um, but his true fascination and true love of trains, I think, really hit its peak when he had some success, you know, with the Mickey cartoons had some success with some other stuff, and he was able to build the Carrollwood Pacific in his backyard. And we've talked a little about the Carrollwood Pacific. Um, it is a one-eighth scale train that he made in his backyard. And uh, although Lillian was not happy about this entire process, uh, she was furious that it messed up her flower beds and everything. Walt just loved this idea of being able to you know, have a train that he could conduct. And you would sit on it, he would run it, and then uh, passengers could sit back and they would straddle the, the train and, and be able to ride around the property. And I think, you know, whenever you see this, have you ever had a hobby that's lasted your entire life? I don't know if I have. Hmm. Like some people build Lego, <sighs> some people, like I don't think I have a hobby that's that, mm -mm. like built into me as the person I am that Walt had trains. Yeah, I, I lose interest in things pretty quickly. <laughs> I, you know, Me too, which is amazing. This show's still going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess you're right. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 really is a, a super unique situation. But you know, Walt. Uh, you know, we're not going to talk about the Carroll Pacific a lot or, or the history because we do want to get to the Walt Disney World Railroad. But it does play a major impact on Walt's life from childhood all the way up until he's an adult and he's able to have the money to go and to, to build this train in his backyard. I think he loved it. It made him um, it made him very proud, I think, to have people over mm -hmm. to show them this and to share this with them. He would go to train conventions. Um, I mean, the man just absolutely loved trains. And I think when we look at Disneyland and Walt Disney World, the fact that this train, you know, is a focal point of both parks when you walk through the main gate, it sits right there, you know, it's it's in the backdrop of many, 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 many photos. Um, and that that's Walt's true, true love. Uh, I do want to give you kind of a cool little fact about the trains, Mike. I don't know if you know this or not. Is that Walt actually created a company to, to really take care of his trains. Um, so Walt created, and his brother was furious about it, Walt created a company called Retlaw Enterprises. It's Walter backwards. Mm -hmm. And the reason for it was he wanted to own... His trains. He did not want the Disney company to own the trains. Hmm. Um, he wanted to be able to say, uh, it was originally done for the Carol Pacific, of course, but he wanted to be able to say, hey, I own that and uh, also own the Mark Twain Steamboat and then the old Viewliner Train of Tomorrow, which is you know not there anymore, um, and then also the Disneyland monorail. So he owned all of those personally through his side company. And here's the funny part, man. He would he leased space from the the Disney company for his his uh, train, right? But he also got fifteen percent merchandising rights off of everything. So he made hundreds of thousands of dollars back in the nineteen fifties off of this type of uh, um, agreement that they had. A personal thing. And, I mean, look, Redlaw, it stayed in um, it stayed in the Disney, the Disney family until 2005. And it was then it turned over to the Family uh, uh, History Museum. And um, they kind of dissolved the company. But, yeah, man, isn't that, isn't that insane? The fact 
Yeah, to, to have to lease from your own company, something that had your name on it, to have well, to, you know, have your own kind of uh, stake in that, so to speak, like, you know, have, have your own claim to fame, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, so, yeah, they charge the Disney company anywhere from 5 to 15% of income off of all the Disney merchandising deals um, with that. And like I said, Roy was absolutely furious. He thought that Walt was kind of taking from the stockholders. Mm-hmm. Um, but Walt just said, "I look, I he, at that time he had turned over his rights to his name to the company. And so he said, listen, that's one thing I don't want to turn over. I want it to be mine. So if you use anything that has to do with the railroad or, you know, the um, – the the monorail or anything like that or the steamboat that's i'm gonna make money off of it because those are my loves my passions and they have my name on the side and i love them and he just he stuck to it and they he actually went on the um retlaw went on to purchase lots of different small um like uh, tv stations and stuff like that around the country and he made money from that so he had quite a quite a good income coming in. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a ton, but quite a good income coming in off of this uh, off of this side project he had. Hmm. Pretty interesting. That is very interesting. Well, we are not tonight though talking about the Disneyland Railroad. We are not talking about the Carol Pacific. We are talking about the Walt Disney World Railroad. And the way the reason we want to talk about it is, man, super exciting news, Mike, is that we now know that very 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 soon um, we are going to be able to board that beautiful train again and take the loop around the magic kingdom because they have laid the tracks through the tunnel where Tron is and they are training (laughs) um, cast members to pilot the train to conduct the train. Um, So we wanted to do this because I don't know for me, before we get into this history of a little bit for me going to the magic kingdom and not riding the train, I would be highly upset with myself. I know a lot of people think it's just a mode of transportation, but I think you are doing something. Look, there's only a couple things in the Magic Kingdom that have Walt's really thumbprint on it, um, where it's just his, and I think the railroad's one of them. So for me, it's a it's a big thing. I love the railroad. I love taking the full tour all the way around. It's about 20 minutes. Um, does that for you, for your family, is it a must-do? Is it a sometimes we do it? Is it just I don't want to walk over to, you know, uh, fantasy land, so I'm gonna jump on the train and take take the path around. Where do you fall on that? So, we've been obviously we've said before we've been going since Sammy was just a baby. So we've been going pretty much consistently for f- 15 years, uh, going back and forth to the park as a family. I would say our probably our first two or three years, especially when when Sammy was a baby, the railroad was a major part of what we were you know what we were going mm-hmm. what we would do is one of our rides. I loved it. I did a little bit of research with Disney before we actually started going to the parks as a family, just to kind of get my feet wet because I hadn't gone since I was a teenager and I knew the the drawer and all of the 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 Disney stuff that had to offer and I didn't want to miss you know miss any checked boxes that I should have been looking for. I mean, obviously going back then I didn't know a lot then, but I certainly know a lot more now, especially for going after all these years. Um, I knew the significance of the railroad, so I wanted to make sure that on our first trip, the girls got to do it because that was kind of Walt's thing, and I kind of wanted to uh, emulate that to have them have that experience. So yes, doing that train ride was the best, but I kind of feel like we got gypped out of it because uh, the majority of our time going, it seems like it's always been closed. You know, uh, Mm -hmm. there was quite a few times during the Fantasyland expansion when when that was shut down for a little bit, when they were doing that kind of stuff. I just feel like like it's been shut down forever. Obviously, we'll talk about more of the dates of how long it's been operating for and how long in the different stages it's gone through. But I feel like if I could, if it opened tomorrow and we were to go on our next trip, it would be one of the first things that I go on because I've kind of missed it. It's something that I really like doing. Um, obviously, it's a ride for all ages. You know, it's one of those things that uh, every kid can do. If you can hold a little baby on your lap, so it's not like you have to have any kind of ride height requirements. And uh, you know, when you do the ride, the loop all the way around, it's a nice twenty-minute ride, and it's, it gives you some scenic views. Uh, and and I liked it a lot. And obviously, if it opened up tomorrow, you know, if they were said, "Hey, we're back in business," and I went on my next trip, that would be one of the first things I do when I go to Magic Kingdom. Yeah, so um, let's talk a little bit about the train itself. Um, let's get into the history of kind of how they found these trains, what they, you know, the reason they they really brought these to Central Florida, because this is not something that the Disney company created. This is something they went out and found and then made it to where they could use it within the park. You know, the one problem they have, and they had the same at Disneyland, was the fact that you can't put a full-size train really 
at Disneyland or Walt Disney World just with the force perspective and the way that it works and the turns that they need to make. So they went out and they found a narrow gauge uh, heritage uh, railroad. And what what that is, and I had to do research on this. I had no idea. I'm not a train person as far <laughs> as just loving that one. Um, most train tracks, whenever you look at them, are, you know, five foot, six foot across instead, uh, you know, and, and that way, you know, it's, it's a wider train. The base is wider. And that's, you know, the railroad ties. Uh, this one, they went out and found one that is three foot. So it's a narrow gauge. It's actually able to make sharper turns than, than the wider gauge. And it was pretty interesting that they had to do that. But here's what they had to do, Mike. Whenever they looked at it, they said, hey, we want this to fit in. So what we did was on the boxcars you ride in, they actually made them a little smaller. So they have a six-foot door um, instead of like a you know seven, eight-foot door. They're a little narrower um, just so that way it doesn't look, you know, insane with a three foot uh uh wheels at the bottom and then this massive box car on top of it um but yeah they went out and they found these these amazing trains where did they go man because I, you got to think if you're searching the world for something you got you're not when you know, when you're doing this the internet didn't exist you know you're having to do the research on your own make phone calls figure it out you would think they would start looking in Central Florida or maybe out in uh, California, but they didn't. They went somewhere very, very different. Surprisingly, because obviously we, I've been, this has been very knowledgeable for me learning about a lot of stuff. They wound up going to Mexico for these trains. Uh, out of all places, that's probably the last place that I would have thought. But, uh, yeah, they wound up going there. They were able to find some tr- some of these particular trains. Uh, some of them were originally manufactured by the Baldwin Locomotive Works. And then there was another one that was by the Pittsburgh Locomotive and Car Works. So, and it was almost like a junkyard when you know when you, when you start reading about this, it was kind of like a scrapyard. It almost seemed like they've been laying around just for the just you know in a scrapyard or you know have kind of forgotten about. Uh, when they actually bought them, they bought all of the cars for about thirty two thousand uh, dollars. If you can imagine that, that's amazing. Yeah, and one of the cars, the actual one from the Pittsburgh uh, locomotive company, was in such bad shape that they said, hey, you know what, give us seven hundred bucks for that one or seven hundred and fifty, and you can pretty much just take it off of our hands because. Uh, uh, all you're going to be able to use this for is for scraps to put your other vehicles together if you need to, you know, uh, I guess, you know, Frankenstein some parts, you know, if you just use it as, as a parts vehicle. Uh, and when they did buy these these. Uh, they gave them a lot of extra stuff. They had some extra parts to go with them. It almost felt like, hey, get this off our hands. Hey, you're willing to take this junk and you're paying for it? By all means, take it. So uh, that's how they were able to get rid of them. They picked them up in Mexico, and they uh, got a pretty good deal on them, I would say. Uh, I've been new car shopping lately, and um, I wish I was looking at the $32,000 price range because uh, the, the, the prices have certainly gone up. And, and for getting all those locomotives for that price, they did pretty good. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things, Roger Brogy, who we should have mentioned earlier, because he really is Walt's right-hand man when it comes to, you know, the passion for train. He kind of trains, he kind of really pushes Walt into his passion of trains and helps him with the Carroll Pacific and things like that, um, which the Carroll Pacific plays such a huge role in what they do now with Disneyland and the Walt Disney World Railroad, because when they size down the engine for the Carroll Pacific to one-eighth size, they then were able to go back and size up, you know, to a to a, a natural size from the plans they had, so they could actually manufacture parts and things, knowing just how already what they had designed for the Carol Pacific, which made it really, really, really cool. The thing I love about this is, whenever we look at things in the Magic Kingdom, or we look at things in Epcot, or think, you know, in our heads we think, look, it's. It's this company is incredible. They always think out of the box. They are always a step ahead when it comes to engineering, when it comes to, you know, coming up with great ideas, new ideas. I would never have believed that they went to Mexico to a scrapyard to take care of what at the time was one of the most important opening day attractions at Walt Disney World. Um, it was also the first attraction to be completed at Walt Disney World uh, whenever we whenever we look back at it. And I love the fact that you know, you know something else I learned about, too, when I was kind of doing some research for the show? I learned the fact that it takes quite a few people to run these trains. I mean, when we look at really what they're doing, I mean, they have, um, you know, not only the conductor, who I thought the conductor was the guy who sits up front and pulls the, <laughs> you know, does, does that whole thing. Um, but it's not. They have the conductor. They have the engineer is the guy who actually drives it. And then they have the fireman. And that's crazy mm-hmm. because 
it's a steam train. You have to have some sort of burning to, to create the steam, uh, to create the locomotion that gets the train to, to move. And so uh, it's pretty interesting to me that you have to have all of those things to make this work. Yeah, they, it's, it's like a boiler system that they use. But, yeah. Uh, I, did, I did see that they did convert them over to a diesel fuel, so that, that they're using mm-hmm. the diesel fuel now. But, yeah, that one of the things they did was a uh, conversion because the, the boiler was obviously oversized for what they needed it for. So they put on, I guess, a more efficient boiler system. And there's quite a few parts that they were able to use from the old ones. Uh, some of the brass bells, some of the side work, some of the, uh, some of the trim work they were able to really um, – uh, you know, repurpose. And I do know that the cabs were originally made out of wood and the wood was pretty rotted. So they wound up taking the wooded rotted cabs and making them in a fiberglass cab, which is obviously a little bit more durable and stand the test of time, the fiberglass. Because, uh, you know, fiberglasses can be a lot more durable than the old rotted wood that was on there. So uh, they went through quite a facelift, you know, and um, it, it's they did a fantastic job doing it. I mean, they wanted that 1800s look and I think they pulled it off really well. Yeah, I mean, they did a fantastic job. And you were talking a little bit about the fact of them upgrading to the fiberglass. They actually did the same thing, and we'll get to this kind of skipping around a little bit, but they actually did the same thing with this long closure uh, with the building of Tron is they went back and they've now put down um, fiberglass or, or, you know, like that. The, what's what's the, you know, you make your deck out of it. You know, like is that the like, like composite, the composite, you know. Yeah, yeah they're, they're doing those instead of the wood um, railroad ties because of, you know, bug infest, infestations and weathering and all that kind of stuff, decomposition. Um, so it gave them a chance to do that. But we'll get into that uh, in the future. I love the fact that whenever we talk about uh, Main Street USA, and, you know, I've always said that Main Street USA is one of my favorite places on planet Earth. I could spend all day there walking up and down it. And the first thing that gets you... And if you time it perfectly and you're walking up to the to you know scan your magic band to enter the park, if you get the engine, you know, blowing and the steam going in the air, and you have that beautiful Main Street USA uh, Park Magic Kingdom Park entrance sign right there on the uh, Walt Disney World Railroad station, right there on Main Street. And that station, actually, I wish Joe was here, it was actually modeled after a Victorian-style Saratoga Springs station. So uh, Saratoga Springs making its name there inside the Magic Kingdom whenever uh, you know whenever this opens on opening day. So whenever you're walking there, you can know that that is there as well. And actually, I'm going to take a side uh, step here, and I'm going to welcome in our good buddy. Uh, he is here. He has been around the parks all day. Mr. Dave Griffiths, how are you, friend? Oh, I am very well. How are you? I'm doing good, man. You're looking great. We good. Have just, we've been talking l- been talking a little bit, man, about the Walt Disney World Railroad and the history a little bit. Uh, I think we've even there's probably some stuff that you uh, you would you would pick up on this. Um, but Ooh. we're we're now getting to actually being inside the park, man, and we're getting to talking about you know the closure that's been happening and closures that have happened mm. in the past, and uh, also just the architecture style of this beautiful Victorian. Uh, style building that graces the front of the Magic Kingdom as you walk up with the Walt Disney World Railroad. I'm Mike, you know, it's one of those things too, whenever we talk about uh, the railroad that, like you said, it plays such a historical role, not only for the, the park, but also for Disney himself, that um, I think people don't take into effect the importance of the view that it gives people as they walk up. I mean, definitely. Sorry. Um, (laughs) It's such an iconic element of that entryway in um, using, uh, as we've discussed previously on the show, the mask that uh, it gives to the rest of the park and acting as that curtain. It's an iconic element of what we do. uh, And its value and importance in that spot cannot be uh, understated or overstated. Yeah, that one. Um, You know what I mean. It's important. Yeah, it is important. Well, let's talk, Mike. Let's. Do you have anything history-wise? We kind of skipped over Mike because I know that uh, you know we chatted a lot about where they found them, how they made them, you know, and uh, and all that. But I want to talk about the ride itself. You know, the attraction itself. Um, Dave, we actually talked about the uh, Retlaw Enterprises. I don't know if you if you know that story, um, where Walt Disney created a separate company. So that he, yeah. yeah, he owned the train, he owned the Mark Twain steamboat, you know, he, uh, all that kind of yeah. stuff. So very, yeah, very cool. It's a fascinating history, uh, and it, it really shows the importance of trains and that and the 
the importance of them to him personally, but also to the company, that he wanted to make sure they stood as a separate entity unto themselves, uh, contained under RET law. He wanted them uh, to, yeah, be their own little uh, organism, so to speak. And from that from that point of view, the uh, to have been a trained driver uh, is an enormous. Uh, accolade within the Disney company and amongst cast members. I have a couple of friends who uh, have worked on the Walt Disney World Railroad and it's it's their highest honour that they could ever imagine and they talk about it with passion, uh, sincerity and, and love. So uh, definitely a testimony to that history. See, that's awesome. Uh, Mike, let's talk a little bit about the openings and closings of the railroad itself. Yeah, you know, when it first opened up, it only had the two stations. It actually had the station that would go from, you know, where you went to the park over to like, the just north of Pecos Bill uh, was where the station was. But that actually closed not too shortly thereafter because we had to make room for something really special in that area. And that was Splash Mountain. So during that time, they had closed that area. And then the tr- it just wound up going back and forth. It just back and forth in the Frontierland station uh, back to, you know, back to the main gate. So it was that 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 small little back and forth shot right over there so yeah that was um one of the first closings of one of the first grand openings you know when it first opened up but uh but yeah that was that was one of the first of many and then uh shortly thereafter that they were able to add a third station and i don't know if anybody remembers i don't remember it being called that but it was mickey's birthday land station opened up in june 18th 1988 (laughs) that's um before my time i don't remember that that wasn't during my you know my iconic years of going so um i don't remember it being called birthday land um and then then they briefly renamed it the birthday land express uh, to promote that area. Uh, so yeah, it, it's had some changes and it's had some different names for the stations and some of the re- as some of the refurbishments have gone along. Yeah. I don't remember wh- why they even call it birthday land. I'm sure there's significance behind that. Uh, that was when they were celebrating Mickey's birthday and they had created, if I remember right now, I would have been like five at the time. Um, but they, I believe they had the, well, they had the meet and greet back there. I knew that. Um, I'm looking here. Let's see. Uh, June 18th, 32 years ago, 1988, the land opened with lavish ceremony. Um, it's an adorable little nook, they said, where New Fantasyland resides. Uh, it was much more of a celebration of Mickey Mouse himself. It was a place to jovial fun for kids of all ages to celebrate that Disney represents alongside with Mickey and all of his friends. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it looks like mostly, let's see, the attractions they had. Um, that guests could take a gander inside Mickey's house and backyard, that's where I remember from, wherein his beloved Minnie has a surprise party planned out for all of them. So he got to go out back and have a surprise party for Mickey um, with all their friends. And also, Mickey's Birthland incorporated some furry and feathered friends in the attraction Grandma's Duck Farm. It included the obvious ducks, but also chickens, goats, (laughs) pigs, cows, and even miniature horses inside the Magic Kingdom. So pretty interesting. There's a whole nother show for you right there. Yeah, Um, yeah, man. And then, of course, you know, talking about the next closure, massive closure, uh, 2018 with the building of Tron uh, coming in because the railroad tracks had to be laid in a different position. Uh, You obviously obviously were not able to go through there with the uh, construction that was going on. Um, And the reason we are doing this show is because we now know that not only people being trained, uh, but also that the railroad ties have been laid, the track is down and complete, and uh, hopefully soon we will be aboard the amazing Walt Disney World Railroad. Um, Let's get to the actual, let's get to the actual ride itself, the actual attraction itself, and and the ride through. Um, You know, Dave, it's one of those things where, for me, you know, I, I... I'm going to guess you probably don't ride it very often. Um, and that's because when people are with you, they probably are not wasting their time, uh, as people would say, you know, uh, going on a train ride. I mean, we get lots of people that utilize their time on tour in different capacities. Yeah. But uh, that said, I have definitely ridden it. Uh, but it's also not something that I used to ride on a regular basis. Uh, however, when I did ride it, I always like. I was always in awe. It's so much fun. Uh, It's uh, the wind moving past you on a hot day actually can cool you down quite a bit. And there's some really cool little things back there that you don't get to see any other way. Um, For example, there's uh, moments when I'll be on Thunder Mountain 
and I'll look off Thunder Mountain and I'll see like the deer and all of these mm-hmm. things that are on the edge of the water there. And I'm like, oh yeah, I forget that they're back there. Because once you depart that uh, that Frontierland station that that's in um, that's in um, Splash Mountain. Yeah. Uh, this is a uh, there's uh, some really cool area to explore on the train moving back there. Yeah, you know, Mike, it's one of those things too. Whenever we leave Main Street USA and we get around, we actually get to travel through, and it's going to be, you know, once again, kind of a closure. I would say they'll just block out the windows, um, but we get to go through that final scene of Splash Mountain, and off to our right, you know, it's zippity doo dah as we look down through those windows and uh, and and look into Splash Mountain before we arrive at the Frontierland train station. It's one of those things I love. I think it's amazing being able to ride through and kind of see. It's not backstage, but I mean, it's it's just a unique view down into this attraction where other people are, you know, riding one of the most iconic rides of all time. I really love it, Mike. I, I really do, especially especially pulling into that front la- frontier land station. Yeah, I really miss it. I it, like I said, if it was to open tomorrow, it'd be one of the first things that I do. Uh, I definitely. I don't think my kids remember it. I think, like I said, we, the couple of times that we've gone when they were a little bit older, when they would have remembered it was been closed. So I think that's something that it would be like doing all over again for the first time. And I think they would have a greater appreciation for it now that they're older because, like I said, they did it when they were very little. So uh, I could, I can guarantee you Sammy doesn't remember it, and I'm sure Sarah doesn't remember. So I would love to see how they enjoy taking that little scenic ride around. And, you know, with the whole lightning lane thing going on now, if you got some time in between, that's a great 20-minute ride to just, you know, kill some time in between. Yeah, 100%. You could do a full lap and uh, experience it all. Now, Justin, it, admittedly, it has been a while for me, what with the closure of it and mm-hmm. all of that. Uh, so correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, a couple of things about that Frontierland station as we were pulling in and you were talking about that. Um, the address that is playing, there's a... There's, um, a is it is it spoken or is it the on the or is it's, it on the Morse spoken. code? It's spoken. It is spoken, yeah. and it's the announcement of the connecting of rail lines. Correct. Is that correct? Yep. yep. Yes. Yep. Uh, so it's from the joining of the uh, cross continental um, when the when those two tracks joined at the middle at the golden pin. Is that correct? Yep. And something I want to ask you about too is you know one thing that I think a lot of people don't realize is there's actually a fully functional swing bridge um, there at whenever you get near Big Thunder, because they actually load Big Thunder cars when they or unload them if they need to do uh, work on them over the railroad. And so you will at times see the railroad delayed or um, maybe having to wait at the station longer than normal if they are having to take a car off of Big Thunder, which is pretty unique. You know what? I've seen that swing bridge, and I don't think I connected what it was for. <laughs> there you go. All right. <laughs> See, we all learn. There's always there's always room for learning. Um, really quickly, though, uh, also within that, while that announcement is happening, uh, as you pull into the station, you go through a room, and if you are looking in the room very carefully, I know it's been mentioned on this show a long time ago. Uh, I think Mike might have actually mentioned it, um, but I don't want to give credit uh, to the wrong person. Um, um, but there's a leg. Hmm. A leg? Have we dis- there is a leg. Did we discuss Have this? Have you seen the leg? Point? I don't know. This doesn't sound familiar to me, so maybe don't give leg? credit to me. Wow. Okay, then maybe it's just in the, in my head. Uh, there's a leg. Um, it's a wooden leg. And the cool thing about it is if you look closely to it, uh, it's got a name written on it. And the name says Jake. <laughs> okay, I don't know this man. This is new to me. Okay, so this is actually a really deep cut, and there's a couple of our listeners I already know are screaming at uh, screaming at their uh, radios in the car while they're listening to this, because it's actually a reference to the joke that is told in Mary Poppins. At the end of it, uh, there's a, a joke where he says, I know a man with a wooden leg named Jake. Smith. What's the name of his other leg? Is it Smith? Smith. I thought it was Jake. Smith. I've been wrong before. Yeah. Smith. That's what's written on the leg. Yeah. I will be interested to see if it is still there. I apologize for getting the name wrong. Uh, I have just come off a <laughs> 10 hours of a tour. Um, I only have so much room in my head for Disney facts. Um, but yes, Smith. Uh, and then the question is, what's the name of his other leg? So uh, this leg has Smith written on it. Um, and it is inside that room that you can see uh, in the train station. Yep, 100%. It is still there. Um, okay. But yeah, it's... Well, wait. Yeah. 
Yeah, so just let us know. I mean, look, they, they have, it has been closed for a long time, so it'll be interesting once it's open if we still have it there or not. I don't see why they would uh, they would take it, um, but yeah, fantastic. That's yeah, a really there's a, there's a wooden leg. That's really really cool. I I, I did not know that. I have told you I'm okay. not paying attention. I'm still seeing zippity doodah as I go through, <laughs> yes. so I'm still just clapping along and annoying everyone around me. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. You know, one thing too is we travel around to the uh, Fantasyland station is like you said there's a lot back there there's a lot of uh, people don't realize mike that it's you know disney goes out of its way to tell stories that they really don't even have to tell i mean this is a mode of transportation really around the park for a lot of people and they don't care that there are animatronics back there they wouldn't miss them if they didn't you know if it wasn't there but it tells such a great story of you know going back to to you know looking at the native americans history and it kind of gives you a, a spoken history too of the Native Americans on the plains with the teepees and the buffalo. And, of course, there's a lot of deer and, you know, a few audio animatronics, things like that. Really a really kind of cool, you know, little bonus that, that Walt Disney Imagineering threw in there as you're going back around to the Fantasyland station. You think they're going to add more to that or are they going to keep it the way it is I think since they've had it closed for so it's long? Be interesting. I mean, I wouldn't mind a, a spruce up, a, you know, a, a kind of get something new maybe. Um yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I love the fact that it's there, though. Oh, yeah. It, it, it keeps the kids' attention, too, also. So if the kids aren't completely enthralled with taking a train ride, at least they can see some animatronics and can kind of you know keep them occupied for looking for some other stuff if you have the kind of kid that might not want to be just interested in the actual ride itself or they're a little bit bored of it. Having that animatronics to look for is always something that's kind of cool. And they, you know, some, sometimes you see some of the little kids are questioning whether some of those animatronics are really actual people or whether they're animatronics or not, too. So uh, Disney does a great job with creating a lot of realism with some of those. So it's cool to see some of the kids get fooled by uh, by that. I mean, you see that on some of the other rides, too, like on Pirates or some of the other things. So, uh, yeah, if they could spruce it up a little bit and, you know, maybe fool the kids a little bit more, that'd be pretty cool. You know, we were talking a little bit, too, Dave, about how the trains were whenever they they you know, one to bring the trains to Walt Disney World. It was an opening day attraction. It was the first attraction that was completed for Walt Disney World. Um, but they also, they didn't build these trains. They found these trains in Mexico in a scrapyard, went down and bought them um, for, you know, pennies on the dollar, and then were able to modify them to their needs for Walt Disney World. Here's something that a lot of people may not know, is that whenever you have are coming out of the, going by Big Thunder and all that, you go over a bridge over the Rivers of America, um, and yep. there's a dry dock area over there. That bridge was actually not built by the Walt Disney Company as well. The bridge was originally located in Wabasso, Florida, and it was a working railway bridge um, that the Walt Disney Company bought and brought from uh, Wabasso, Florida. It was actually owned by the Florida East Coast Railway, and uh, they what, implemented they just it there. Picked up the whole bridge. Picked up the whole bridge just and brought it over. Picked up the whole bridge. Yeah, <laughs> or the pieces of it and brought that. it in. Fascinating. <laughs> This is why I love this place. <laughs> so There's lots so of stuff, stuff. Lots of stuff there. Like I said, the audio animatronics, the displays of the Native Americans, all the wild animals that you see. Um, but then you go under an overpass. Uh, this is my one kind of downfall. I, I've talked about this in the past. If there is an overpass on Disney property, you bring in the best muralist. You bring in the best, you know, and let's spruce those bad boys up, man. Uh, the one that drives me the craziest is walking from Boardwalk Beach Club to Hollywood Studios and walking under that overpass right there and it's just plain and I'm like you could get some muralist to come in and it just be rock star I mean going through there like have them come in you know graffiti artist have them come in yeah. and get some light shining on it something really cool one of those hidden gems almost like the purple wall you know in Magic Kingdom like make people want to walk it, it, it there and get it could be a thing could be a thing 100% yeah. um so you do go through and uh you go under the overpass and now you're just pretty much seeing a bunch of trees until you get to the amazing... Uh, you do see the Walt Disney World Railroad's roundhouse uh, where all the trains are stored. Oh. You can see that whenever you're back there as long as uh, you're making sure to look for it. Uh, but you get to your next stop, the Fantasyland Station. This station has changed more than any other station um, in the history of the railway. It seems to constantly be getting moved, getting refurbed. Um, and that brings us to our current day with this new refurb. Um, one, it would still be there. I think that same spot works perfectly. It has not been, you know, in inhibited by the Tron attraction coming in. Now, this brings me to my question to you guys. Here's what I love about the railroad. It takes us through Frontierland, 
we go through over the rivers of America, we see Native Americans and buffalo and deer and all that. I would love once we leave Fantasyland, we will be now be going through a tunnel underneath Tron, brand new tunnel. Mm. I would love to see crazy lights into the future, your journey into the future as you come through on the train. Mm. To put you in Tomorrowland. Put you in Tomorrowland. All right. Yeah. Interesting. Repurpose some of those lasers from the Little Mermaid show. <laughs> <laughs> they, they are. They are state of the art, young man. I will. Um, so um, it, it's a fan. I, I, I love the train. Yeah, it's, I, I, I love it. Yeah, you come around and you're, you're ending your 20-minute journey as you climb a grade uh, back up to, you know, the Main Street Station right there. And you see everyone, you know, pouring out of the parks or coming into the parks. And uh, you get the whistle. Now, one thing I learned a little bit about which I thought was pretty cool, was I learned about block signals when I was doing some preparation for the show. Okay? The block signals... Okay. The block signals are the lights that you see that are used by the train conductors and engineers and firemen that they know whether or not to stop or go. It seems pretty simple. Green, yellow, red. But there are four different ones that are used. There's actually a red, which is... Next block is occupied. And what a block is, is the area between two stations. So it's saying... Oh, okay, yeah. Yep, it's saying it's stop, you cannot go. Uh, if you ever see red plus yellow, and this is a good way to know, like, hey, how long is it going to be until my train's going to be here? Because the blocks will change before the trains leave. Um, and so now you can look, and if you see a red-yellow, you know the next two blocks are occupied, you're in trouble, if that's the case. Because now they've that got... Means there's, that means parade is stepping off, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, they've cut the track, <laughs> and it's going to be another 12 minutes. It's going to be a little bit. If you see a yellow-green, the next block is clear, but the following block is occupied, which perfect example would be the parade, you know, where yeah. they are not able to still run those trains. And then green, the next two blocks are clear, so you can proceed to your next block. Um, Interesting. Yep, so you will be able to kind of know what's going on just by looking at those those lights. Um, the one difference between Walt Disney World and Disneyland, Disneyland you have three, or you have two trains, um, where at Disney World we have four, um, which is, is pretty unique. Now, not all four are used at any one time. Very, very, very rarely are three even used. Um, but on busy, busy park days, you will see three out there. Uh, we do have the Walter E. Disney train, and uh, it is the date built was in uh, this is amazing May of 1925, of course, by Baldwin Locomotive. Uh, the Lily Bell was built in September of 1928. The Roger E. Brogy was built in May of 1925, and the Roy O. Disney was built in February of 1916. It is the oldest train on the tracks um, that they have there. And so it's uh, it's definitely a all of them are five car uh, passenger cars. So you have, you know, being able to have five different cars that will seat people behind it. So very interesting whenever you look at this that we are, you know, when you're looking at the Royal Disney, over 100 years old for this train. That's crazy. 100 years. That's insane. Yep. And then the like Roger E. Brogy and the Walt Disney train, Walter D. E. Disney train will be coming up. Uh, in 1925 for their 100 year. That is such a huge testimony to A, the people who refurbish them, but B, the care that is taken with them daily to keep them as such immaculate uh, vehicles that are still running well 100 years later. Like yeah. Both of those parties involved in that, like that's a huge testimony to them. Well, this will show you too that uh, the Roy O. Disney... Uh, train. It, it's pretty interesting. So the Roger E. Brogy train was originally supposed to be the Roy O. Disney train. Roy did not want his name on the same type of train that his brother had. So he, in turn, said, I don't want it on there. Like, that's just, uh, it's, it's not happening. Um, so they waited and they did the fourth train on his name instead because the Roger E. Brogy train and the Walt e. Walter E. Disney train are both 10-wheelers, meaning they're a 4 six, zero arrangement, meaning there's four little wheels in the front, right? Okay. Then six big wheels that push it, and then zero wheels behind the conductor's car. Mm. So the, Like, you have learned a lot about trains. I've learned trains. a lot about train trains. <laughs> and, and the cool part is, man, is the fact that because then they look the exact same other than the color difference, 
Roy just said, mm. I don't want to have my name on the same type of attraction as my brother. So what type of train is a Roy train? So the Roy train is a uh, American-style train. It's one of its own. It's it's the only American-style train that they have. It's a 440, so it's a little bit smaller. So it has uh, four small four, wheels. 440. 440. <laughs> it has four small wheels uh. and then four large wheels, zero wheels behind the train conductor. And then the uh, Lily Bell is Lily a Bell? 260. So it has two small wheels, then it has six large wheels, and it has zero behind the conductor. There you go. Yeah. Oh, that's fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> so that is our deep dive into the uh, into the Walt Disney World Railroad. I hope you've learned some stuff. I hope next time you go that you can look and you can be that person in line that goes, oh, there's a Raji Brogi. That is uh, the 10-wheeler, a 460 uh, train. Ah, the 460. And uh, it's, it was built in May of 1925. So just take those small facts and just blow people's minds <laughs> as you wait in the queue to ride this. Guys, anything you want to add to you know, maybe your experience with the train itself. For me, I've talked a lot about it, how much I love anything that impacted Walt's life because I think that we don't have Walt Disney World. We don't have the Magic Kingdom Disneyland without things like the trains because, and it's not so much the attraction, it gave Walt a fascination at an early age to learn engineering and to learn to push the envelope and you know have a drive. I mean, the Carol Pacific being built being able to do scale models. I mean, how important does that uh, does that play later in life uh, with the fact of having scale models? So for me, the trains play a massive role in, in our, our having this happy place that we love so much, and, uh, and I love them so much. So, uh, Dave, dude, closing words about the trains before we move on. Um, I wanted to uh, give you this little insight, something that I've, I love, and I don't know if it, this has ever struck the two of you uh, before, if you've been in this situation, but have you ever been in New Fantasyland, all the way down near Dumbo uh, or um, the Barnstormer, and hit like three o'clock and gone? Ah, oh, we're gonna miss the parade. Like you can't push your stroller mm-hmm. all the way up to to the hub in time to get there for that parade. Like you need to be absolutely booking it because it's going to hit that hub at three ten. Um, this is one of those things that is not set in stone and it's never guaranteed. But if you're ready to roll the dice, uh, I have done it uh, on tour where we waited for the train to depart. We got on the next train to depart and. Once, uh, once the end of the parade crosses the train line at Big Thunder, mm-hmm. at what we call Step Off, and has started moving through Frontierland, it then clears the entire track uh, to resume full operation. And everything kind of then starts shuffling forward, where um, the, the train that is at... Um, at Main Street Station is able to pull forward and clear the block. Mm-hmm. Look at me using Look at technology. you, man. Yeah. Um, that, which allows that one that is located at Fantasyland to move forward. Um, and if you have timed it right, you're there, ready as it departs, you're on board, uh, you'll actually make it to the Main Street Station and have time to get off the train and down into that courtyard as that train arrives uh, at Town Square. Oh, yeah. So if ever you do get stuck back there, I've done it. I once again, it's not a guarantee. I don't want to. I don't want you like emailing me and be like, <laughs> "We tried it and we missed it. We didn't see Bell." Um, but I, I have done it. I, I know you can arrive at the station uh, in time to uh, catch the parade in Town Square, which uh, to is testimony to the that just the way that thing moves uh, around that track. It can literally take you from the front, uh, uh, from the back of the. Park all the way to the front in time to catch it. So, yeah. Um, so that usually happens at about three ten, three fourteen, somewhere in that space that it starts moving, uh, and then uh, it will drop you right there. Uh, the other thing that I love and wanted to really quickly mention, sorry to take some extra time, is that very soon, whenever this happens with the opening of Tron, it's going to change one of my useless facts because. Um, after they had established the railway line and figured out what they were doing with Tomorrowland, Space Mountain got built outside the perimeter of the park, mm-hmm. uh, which is why when you walk into Space Mountain, uh, you go down 
and you go all the way down this giant hill and then the next part of your trek to ride the ride is to walk all the way back up because you actually go underneath the train track. And then the same happens when you're exiting. You go all the way down that giant slope with all those weird things happening on your right-hand side and those futuristic spelunking missions that you'll apparently go on. And... And it bottoms out for a second, and then you go up the the switchback uh, ramp that they've created as part of the refurbishment in that area. And so, up until somewhere in the not-too-distant future, my claim has always been that Space Mountain is the only attraction where the entirety of the operation of the attraction happens outside the perimeter of Magic Kingdom Park, because we know that pieces of pirates and half of Splash and a few things like that do venture outside the perimeter of the park established by the the train tracks. uh, Space Mountain is the only one, but Tron is going to join it, Mm -hmm. because all of the ride of Tron to the best of my knowledge, uh, is going to be outside the uh, outside of the train tracks. So uh, I'll have to update that uh, useless piece of information regarding the Walt Disney World Railroad. You know what I'm interested to see too is, and I've always enjoyed it because it is a fun little cut through. A lot of people don't know, and I'm going to be interested to see if it is. I don't. I don't think it's back open, and it may not be back open. Is that cut through where the smokers used to be? Is that gone ah. permanently? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Oh, Lung Cancer Lane. <laughs> Lung yeah, Cancer I Lane. I remember where that was. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yes, from Barnstormer uh, across there. Uh, it has not reopened yet. Uh, at the moment, the Space Mountain gift shop, uh, the merchandise store, is actually also closed. Yeah. So that entire section is down. Um, and we're waiting to see how that refurb is going to affect and change all of our movement through that space. It'll be interesting yeah. when that does reopen. I, I always, I always like that space because happening. you can, if you're back in that area riding Barnstormer, it's like, okay, I can get an easy little way over to Space Mountain, and a lot of people don't know about it, don't take it. So I've always enjoyed kind of that, that walkway through. It was also a really cool place to explore on Halloween. They yeah, it's always had like candy back candy. there. Yeah, yeah, it was a really good one that people would be like, where did you get those? And you were like, yeah, you didn't get all the way back there, did you? <laughs> you, you didn't go through um, Yeah, I mean, Mike, yeah. it, it's one of those things where, you know, this, this train does amazing things. I mean, like we said, it not only is an attraction, it not only tells the history, but it also, I mean, each train can pull up to 375 passengers around the Magic Kingdom um, at a time, which is really a staple uh, to being able to move people around a, a theme park in a very unique way that tells the story of not only you know America but also of Walt Disney himself, and it's I think it's a very important piece to the Magic Kingdom. Yeah, I miss it very much. I'm very much looking forward to when it comes back, and like I said, it's going to be one of the first things that I go on. Uh, I'm I'm excited for it. You know, while I'm on this ride, uh, because it's been a long time since I've been on it, I'm going to really take in all of the moments. I'm going to really enjoy it. I'm going to take a lot of pictures. You know, when I get those pictures, I'm going to put them on our Facebook page because we have a fantastic DDP family that posts some amazing pictures. And you know what? That brings me to my favorite thing every week, and that would be Picks of the Week. Picks of the Week. Picks of the Week. It's time for us to get our Picks of the Week. Listen, Dave, it's been a while since we've had you on the show, so I think you definitely deserve to get in your Pick of the Week because it's been a while. So what is your Pick of the Week? I... I get to start. Um, I am going to uh, give my pick of the week and also apologize um, because, um, and I don't think, oh, this is actually exactly a week ago. I hope it didn't get a mention. Um, But uh, Sean Gels-Lichter, I apologize for pronunciation. Uh, Sean and I have been in touch and I haven't had an, he's been here for like a week and I haven't had a chance uh, or been in the right park to be able to say hi to him uh, over this, over his time in Walt Disney World. And I do sincerely apologize, but he's had some great photos uh, that he's been sharing um, with all sorts of fun, uh, including one that made me uh, organize to stop in and grab some wings uh, at the brew wing uh, in Epcot. Uh, the other day he tagged me and I think it had something to do with some kind of music and me dressing in a Groot costume but that aside um, I saw the post and went they look really good and um, and I've loved so many of his photos and him sharing his uh, Disney vacation with us uh, on our DPP today Facebook page D- DDP there you I go you need something um, like that. it all fits doing great and that's why he is my uh, pick of the week <laughs> Cool. Very good. Justin, what's your pick of the week? 
Yeah, I'm going to go with my good friends, uh, Tracy and Alan Curtis uh, and the kiddos. They are down near my neck of the woods, not too far from me, in Hilton Head at Disney's Resort. I have been there. It's a fantastic resort um, where you can uh, you can go. And uh, that island is great, low-key, great food, love Hilton Head. Um, if it wasn't an hour and a half away from me, I would go more often. Um, but I'm so glad you guys are having an amazing time. And I just they were at, you know they were at Walt Disney when we were there, and we got to spend some time with them. And just just what a fantastic family. I mean, the kids are great. Um, just really really enjoyed our time with them. And so I, I love the fact that you guys are having an amazing vacation. And I can't wait to hopefully see you guys again real soon because I, I really was. Um, one of the highlights of my trip was seeing everybody, and so I appreciate you guys taking the time to come hang with us. Yep, absolutely. How about you, Mike? Uh, my pick of the week is going to go to Pat Ryan, and Pat Ryan just got back from an eight-day night stay at the Caribbean Beach. Uh, they had a fantastic time, uh, and our show actually helped with some of the dining reservations, which is pretty cool, so it's nice when we can uh, help somebody and guide them the right way. Hopefully, you made the right choices that uh, that, that you guys liked. Uh, hopefully, we, st- we steered you in the right direction, and uh, he posts, here are my picks of the week, and you are my pick of the week, so uh, congratulations to you on a great vacation you guys had ear-to-ear smiles the entire time and uh, awesome pictures fantastic well guys i absolutely have loved having all three of us back um and look i'm actually going to love seeing everybody in september for the universal unleashed nights of fear if you were looking for that show that show now has its own feed so i will be uh be putting that out there so you will be able to go over it will no longer show up on your ddp today feed you will get all disney on ddp today uh no universal but you will be able to go over and check that out I will post the link to that so you can find it. But if you're interested in joining us September the 14th through the 18th for Universal Unleashed Nights of Fear, make sure to get a hold of the show at awaywithmetravel.com. We have some amazing stuff. Uh, Mike, you will be there. Yep. Uh, it's going to be an absolute blast. Dan will be down. We've got some other great people that just booked uh, today and yesterday. Um, so we're really excited about that. Um, we're doing Halloween Horror Nights with the Express Pass, so you're not going to have to wait in line. We're doing SeaWorld's Hallow Stream. We're also doing a full day in the parks at Universal. So come over, hang out with us. That That'll be a blast with that. Other than that, guys, it's just so good to get back to normal. I want to apologize to uh, to um, you know the DDP today uh, family because I feel like we've had to push shows back twice now. It's not usually our our normal, but our recording schedule has been so crazy. Like we said, it is right now 10:57 p.m. on a Monday, where the show drops on a Monday. Um, so we are uh, we're trying to get it done for you. We promise. We love doing this. Um, sometimes though, family. Uh, and work and all that uh, comes first. So, uh, But we are excited to be here with you. Uh, and you know, if you want to help us, if you want to give us that virtual hug, go slap us five stars. Give us that, uh, that you know, uh, pat on the back saying, hey, congratulations and keep up the hard work of trying to create the most positive place on the Internet to talk Disney. So we love you guys so much. Uh, closing words, Mike. Uh, listen, I'm glad you're back, Dave. It's been a while since I've seen you. Justin, we missed you last week also, so it's nice. We got the majority of the band back together, and hopefully we get the four of us together real soon. Um, you know, Walt Disney had a fantastic uh, you know, history with the trains. We talked a lot about that. We've talked about some of that in the Walking with Walt shows also. So uh, it was nice to kind of go through that and kind of rehash some of my memories of when I got to ride on the train, and I'm really looking forward to doing it again. And I hope that uh, we gave you guys a little bit of information so that when you do get to ride, you can kind of think of us while you're riding the train and saying oh yeah I, I know i remember hearing about this so uh i was great seeing you guys though dave the reopening of of the walt disney world railroad as we move towards the uh completion of this uh expansion of magic kingdom park uh is going to be one of those uh moments where which we look back on and say okay like the last time we had this in magic kingdom was the opening of new fantasy land particularly say seven dwarves mine train and Mm -hmm. i've talked about how we have these chapters and these moments that we refer to as the oh not since this or since that or this expansion um this tron expansion and uh the opening of the walt disney world railroad is going to be a big moment for magic kingdom park uh i remember when they announced that it was going to close for a period of time and uh everybody lost their mind like we we really got the opportunity to know how important this attraction is uh to the disney family and uh it's going to be just exciting to have it back uh with as a place for uh our guests to be able to enjoy and for us all to live out a little bit of the history of the disney company on the walt disney world railroad it's great, and it's super fun to be back recording an episode with you. No, oh, so good to see you, buddy. And like I said, I mean, this for me is is a staple at Walt Disney World, Disneyland. Whenever I ride these 
I just like the fact now that I can now go and sound like an expert, whether I'm riding the 10-wheelers, the Mogul, the American, whether it's a 460, a 260, or a 440, <laughs> whether we have a closed block or an open block, I'm going to know what's going on, and I hope the DDP Today family enjoyed this as well, to where now you will have a little more uh, knowledge about the Walt Disney World Railroad and the importance it plays. So, DDP Today family, have an amazing week. Spread some cheer. Make someone smile. And until next time, we will see you real soon. Have a good night, everybody. Have a good night. Cheers. On behalf of the Disney Dads, we want to say thank you. We hope you find a little magic in your life every day, spread some Disney love, and keep moving forward. And they all lived happily ever after. Each of us has a dream, a heart's desire. It calls to us. And when we're brave enough to listen and bold enough to pursue, that dream will lead us on a journey to discover who we're meant to be. All we have to do is look inside our hearts and unlock the magic within. Ready to begin. And that's a wrap. Amazing. Ah. Oh. This has been YDF Media Productions.